Hi, and welcome to Phantasmal Farces Adventurize, where we delve into the world of entertainment and see if we can pull an adventure out of our arse. Our aim is to inspire and to show, so long as you look, almost anything can be a tabletop adventure. So don't be intimidated, and let's see what we can stitch together. I'm Alan, and I'm the forever GM McCastrix of a group of players in Wales. I love casting my fourth-level arcane eye over stories and seeing how they translate into adventures. In this episode, we will be adventurizing Blood Mountain. Blood Mountain is Macedon's breakout album, released in 2006. The album marked a stylistic shift away from their sludgy beginnings to a more melodic future. However, their penchant for concept albums and prog concepts continued. Blood Mountain story um, revolves around the titular Blood Mountain and an item known as the Crystal Skull. Troy Sanders, the bassist from the band, said it's all about climbing a mountain and the struggles that you face on the way. Opinionize. Hi Rod, how are we uh, this evening? We are recording in an evening, regardless of what time anyone's listening. So how are you this evening? I'm well, thank you. Uh, yeah, we've had... Uh... I've had a bit of a some technical difficulties, but yeah, ready to crack on with our weekly schedule. Yep, this is the f- first one. Oh no, second one, technically. I think uh, I don't know. I suppose Archer came as week one, although we announced it. It is. It did come a week after uh, Annihilation. Um, but yeah, so today we're talking about Blood Mountain by Mastodon. Um, this is one I personally have been looking forward to um blood mountain was my introduction to mastodon i didn't really get into them when they were in their sludgier phase uh, i got into them in this which is their breakout album their you know you could argue that when they sold out but uh, i think that would be very unfair to to uh to describe it that way um basically they brought in the more clean singing the stronger sense of melody um in the guitar playing as well though they always always had that to a certain extent um and also so the wolf is loose uh the opening track is that's one of my favorite opening tracks of an album uh of all time uh the intro drum fill is is yeah you uh as soon as that comes in you know that it's a song that's going to kick your ass and you're going to love every minute of it um so, yeah, I know I've just kind of barreled into saying how much I like the album. Uh, it's, you know, it's quite a, say it's an important album for me is, well, I'd, I'd say it is. Um, I don't really have any strong emotional attachment to it, but it definitely sits in my, in my probably in my top 10 albums. Uh, so, Rod, how are the Mighty Mastodon? How does their Blood Mountain Magnum Opus tickle your taint? I hope you can pick up the size because there's no real way of saying this. I want to like this because I want you to like me liking this. I want you to like me, period. But uh, Mastodon, man, that's, it's, just, it's not my jam. It's, it's not my thing. I mean, I'm not a music snob. I tend to listen to a lot of different and varied things. Um, case in point, how 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 dare you say that uh, the the wolf is loose is one of the best songs to open an album? That's you you you're talking out your ass, considering that Phil Collins' No Jacket Required has Susudio as its opening song. 
I said one of. Oh, I would just. Oh, oh. Am I going to have to put a, a disclaimer what a caveat. at the end? Like, am I going to put a disclaimer at the end saying uh, the views you have heard of about Phil Collins' the studio do not represent Phantasmal Fast? They are the individual. They are the what's the, the? How do they do that? I don't know. <laughs> but we are recording this. I will listen back and I will try and pick out whether or not you said that. Just, just to, mm, yeah. <laughs> Because I, uh, I, it just wasn't my thing. I mean, at first I thought this, this isn't, this doesn't resonate with me, and I thought I, I was going to blame Mastodon as I, because they've always been in my mind, sort of a heavy rock. Uh, what did you call it, sludge? Generally, what they were referred to when they first kind of started out. Yeah, yeah, I, I blamed the band, but the more I listened to, because you know, I did again. If I'm going to just tar the band with one album. Uh, one album's brush, I, I wanted to listen to other things. So, like, Leviathan and things like that, I wasn't overly keen on either, but their newer stuff, although Leviathan was, what, 2016? Leviathan um, um, is, like, 2003 or something. Is there? Oh, I don't know. But, the, yeah, the, the newer stuff I can get behind a little bit more. Because um, Ma was Mastodon Curl of the Burl? Curl of the Burl is from The Hunter, which is two albums later. From Blood Mountain, so things changed quite so, dramatic, dr dr dramatically, drastically since Blood Mountain. Then, in theory, because I, I don't mind the curl of the burl; it's a song that's stuck in my head several times. Um, but Blood Mountain is is the turning point. I, uh, it has it's the the before Blood Mountain is more sludgy, heavy. After Blood Mountain, they delve further into kind of uh, melody, uh, straight, strange sounds, and, and just go into a kind of a, a more melodic, progressive thing. Blood Mountain is the album that has the most kind of bits of the old and the new kind of stitched together. Okay. Um, but it's the, it is the turning point. Point being is, yeah, I, I, I can't write off Mastodon entirely. Um, because I do like the newer work rather than the old stuff. But uh, yeah, this one, this this felt as though I was actually, it felt like work. Not only was it hard work to get through it and listen to it, but it also felt like I, I had some sort of deadline to listen to this this song by and or this this album by and it it made it even more of a a chore for me. I I, I wasn't a fan. Okay, so quite a divergence in opinion there. But uh, hey, that's uh, it's not necessarily going to be a problem, I don't think. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but, but I've got plenty of ideas. I've, I'll, uh... I've got a few, yeah. But I think, looking from how we've discussed and, and notarized this, I think that uh, well, my my take on it will be different to yours, certainly. So that's that's good. It, it'll maybe hopefully give. At least the one person I know listens to this, some ideas as to what to do. Possibly. That one person being me. Let's move on to the next section. Come on then. Mechanize. Um, okay, so like I said, this is one that I had a lot of ideas for. Um, this was, I've spoken in the other episodes about uh, the the pieces of media that inspired the idea for the Adventurize series. Um, Blood Mountain is not one of those. 
However, Blood Mountain is, once we discussed the idea a little bit, Blood Mountain was the one that I first had ideas come to me that said, mm-hmm. this, this should be part of the series. So, um, like I said, maybe, maybe we're going to different. Di- Maybe we're going to defer on this, but uh, defer, differ, differ, um, differ on this one. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I've got I've got plenty of ideas. So though, I'll start with my classic of where do the players go, and I think this one is possibly the easiest of of any. I know I said that about something else. I think we've recorded. Just a warning. I'm probably going to call. I think it's just a, a fact that whichever one we're recording is I I either consider it the easiest one we've ever done or the hardest one we've ever done. And immediately as soon as we go on to another one, I, I, I suddenly claim that that one's the easiest or the hardest. Um, but because it is pretty much a nameless, formless protagonist, uh, the wolf is loose, uh, they directly reference the idea of the hero with a thousand faces, the monomyth, the... Uh, call to action and uh, refusal of the call, all all that classic uh, traditional um, kind of mythology storytelling beats it follows. So the fact that you have a character that is kind of formless and everything is more either abstract or about the mountain means you can put whoever you like, you can send whoever you like up. Blood Mountain. Did you have any thoughts about player characters, or um, was that not something that kind of crossed your mind when you were listening to it or reading the lyrics? Um, the, the, the the lyrics that I read actually um, actually also had little synopsis, or uh, what are they called, cliff notes or cliff notes or something. Um, so it was actually yeah. sort of not only could I read the lyrics. But I could also sort of see the meaning behind them, which helped. Doesn't mean that I took any notice, but I helped. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it was deliberately made so that because it, it it references the hero, as in, although it's third party, it, it could be anyone. You could make that first person and, and put you in that position. They could be singing about you. They could be singing about your character. You know, it, it's almost like a bardic tale in that sense so there's no reason why um uh why you know the hero or or the protagonist of the album can't be the the character team uh group themselves yeah that makes perfect sense to me i got no dispute on that one although it's recorded in third person it is very they do uh, speak about the thoughts and feelings of the character and so I do kind of listen to it from a first person perspective, even even though that's not exa- that's not exactly how it's recorded. Um, so if I refer to the hero as he, that's why because I'm kind of th- in a strange way referring to my own thoughts. Um, but yeah, the, he's scared, um, you know, feeling kind of um, in hunters from the sky, hunters of the sky. He's running faster than he ever has, trying to dodge these these creatures in the sky, and things like exerting yourself physically, being scared, are not character traits. They're something that anyone will have felt or done, and so 
everything about it is inherently relatable and easy to just plonk whoever you like. Yeah, you, we've, we've spoken before about um, hardcover uh, adventures, so, you, you know, your, your Dungeons and Dragons, um, Salt Marsh, or um, others. Nothing's coming to mind at the moment. Um, Paizo have done two anniversary editions where they compiled the first two adventure arcs that they did because they normally do them in sort of fortnightly pieces, don't they? Or monthly, two monthly. Um, they ch- it, it's monthly. They did at certain points do it bi-monthly, as in every other month, but uh, there was enough demand for them to make, to shift it to monthly. Yeah, but point being, they compiled those two into anniversary editions whereby... Curse of the Crimson Throne and Rise of the Rune Lords were also large, thick, A to B, start, middle and end uh, adventures, rather than small modules or the one-shots that we have uh, discussed maybe in the past, such as Arch and so forth. Um, So yeah, the entire thing does seem like one large um, epic adventure, certainly. Um, My feelings on it all, though, is it's... uh, it's very sort of uh, poetic. It, it requires, and, and metaphorical, it, it requires a bit of interpretation, almost to the level of as if you're reading Shakespeare. And I, I can't, I'm not keen on that, never was in school. So maybe a lot of it was lost on me. There were certain things that sort of jumped out at me, um, either by reading the lyrics or listening to the lyrics and so forth, is, is where... Um, that's where things sort of really uh, came to me. Like, for example, when he mentions the belly of the beast or the belly of the whale, it, it sort of means like, to me, my interpretation of that is that that's, you mentioned the call to arms, whereby that's him, or the call to adventure, whereby that's him or her, they or she can, um, <laughs> can you know, go into the, 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 the danger danger zone um yeah so there was there was some interpretation was required but uh yeah there were certain parts that i sort of pulled from there um that i it sort of allows me to if i was to put together an adventure which is the aim of the podcast in the first place these are the things that i would focus on i mean other people can go away and do their own that's fine or they can just take what we're giving them um but yeah, rather than interpreting it as an A to B sort of hard and fast choo-choo on the rails, I I would be sort of trying to take little, uh, extrapolate small snippets, a lyric here or, or a theme there. Um, and like I say, yes, it, it seems as, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Macedon seems to have done their homework on this one and they've really sort of knuckled down on the... Uh, the the uh, hero of a thousand faces, I believe you call it uh, Joseph Campbell's work. Yes, it's um, well, it's uh, it's very. F- I'm not going to act like I'm an expert. I I know the title and the name of the guy who wrote it. I've never read it, but I'm I'm familiar with like discussions around it. So yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to. I don't want to give the impression that I'm an expert, but. Um, if the idea of the monomyth and the fact that there are so many stories that are related and follow this um, specific uh, pattern, like, for example, the big one that everyone talks about is Star Wars. Star Wars has 
the death of his uh, aunt and uncle as the call to action. Uh, yeah, you can you you can read that, and it can all he it crossed, can all slot into place exactly. So he crossed the, the the threshold into the unknown. These are these are things that are mentioned in the in the, in the hero's journey. Uh, he crosses the threshold into the unknown. There's a mentor slash helper. There were challenges and trepidations or temptations. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the revelation in the abyss, death and rebirth. Yeah. And I'm sure they probably have read it. Um, but I, maybe it was the age I was into this album. I was about uh, 18 when it came out. Um, I didn't really find it very uh, poetic or weird. I, or say not weird is uh incorrect i i i would never have in a million years um kind of taken the shakespeare um angle and also as well my f when i first was aware of the album i didn't know anything <laughs> about the hero with a thousand faces um i just thought it was some do, badass do, do you not see where i'm, where I'm coming from though? Um, howling eyes dry pale legs howling on through fields and graves is that not? I mean, daylight, hide the skin, cut it off, scatter ash in the wind. Do you, do you, does that not require interpretation or does that to you go, yeah, I get that straight away? Because to me, that was because from that, these are lyrics, by the way, that I'm reading from The Wolf is Loose. My interpretation of that was that because, uh, again, there's lots of mention towards the, uh, the moon and things. It, it, it made me think that the hero was a, a werewolf. Yeah, that is a something you could think of. Again, it's not something I actively thought about. I I knew the concept, and I've always things like that. Because um, also, well, the title, "The Wolf Is Loose," that that made me think of. Um, they quite often describe like when someone is a werewolf in like a a show or a book. Uh, when they have the Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing going on, where it's almost like the werewolf is like a different creature that lives inside them. Uh, I've always thought the wolf is, is loose. Has always given me that feeling. As in feeling the hero of the, being you know, born like... from the again going back to Star Wars, the, the the Jedi being released from the humble moisture farmer. Yeah, but I, I yeah, just but I also I, the the kind of werewolf thing you picked up on it kind of just fed into that. And I've always just had lots of ideas about it. I've ne I've never really looked it, into it which is quite interesting in the ways that we're approaching it, because I'm approaching it as someone who's quite a big fan of the work in question and obviously, um, what's the word, um, consumed it or listened to it. Um, yeah, so at that age, I just kind of used it more as I, I just listened to those lyrics and just rather than thinking about a kind of holistic meaning, just kind of, yeah, so I, I kind of just looked at it as separate ideas i knew it was about climbing this mountain and challenges and you're right they are loose because i always made my own interpretations of them and i'd never really tried to pin them down uh, i just kind of because i knew what the concept was i just kind of let my mind think about what it was but i might think about it slightly differently uh, each time i listen to it okay so Based from that, there's two different approaches to how we would adventurize this. Um, 
and there's two interpretations of the of, of each song. So shall we get into the meat and the bones of it now then? And uh explain to people how we would break down each song or, or what what's your what's your uh what's your method? What what's what's your process? Uh, I have not done it on a song by song basis at all. I have taken the whole and taken the ideas I want to take from it as a as a piece as a whole. Okay. Um, I haven't I haven't done an analysis of every every song. Um, we've mentioned the wolf is loose a lot. Um, that's part. That's basically just because it's the first song, um, and it's also the one that mentions the hero's journey. So I made sure that mm. I was going to mention that one. Um, but yes, no, I didn't think of it as the individual songs. I just thought of the the overall concept of the mountain and all the things it made me think because what i would be doing with it you say about the what kind of product would i be making um i envision it as something like uh death frost doom fever swamp or slumbering ursine dunes where it's a point of interest um that you can kind of plonk in a sandbox because um as i say in the intro the Blood Mountain, the store, the the reason that they climb Blood Mountain is because of this crystal skull um, that can unlock the next level of evolution, um, which could be magical, could be technology, could be if if your players are into uh, getting hiding in fridges from nuclear explosions, it could be aliens. Um, I believe what um, specifically. Um... The reason why you've come to the conclusion or why everyone believes that it unlocks the next level of evolution is because, what's the specific word? Something about a lizard brain. Um, I believe that's what... Yes, the reptilian brain. Reptilian brain, brain, that's right. That's that's specifically what Mastodon have put in to allude to that. They haven't specifically said in the songs that this is going to unlock the next level of evolution. They've they've said it's going to... um, I can't remember specifically what the line is, but yes, they, they allude to the um, the reptilian brain, which is you're treading David Ike Walker there, but <laughs> that's my interpretation of it. Uh, reptilian brain is is a little bit more uh, a little bit more credible than uh, David Ike's uh, what's the word David David Ike's reptile people. Yeah, so I would keep the the skull. Um, you know, so basically, I wouldn't be this for me is it wouldn't be, you know, a story of love and loss or revenge or anything. This would be a game where it's all about player greed, effectively, as in there's this thing at the top of a mountain that makes you really powerful. Do you want to go get it? So that's why I would have it as something you can slot into a sandbox world where there's options. So do you go? to the city and sort one out or do you go to this big mountain of which the locals say there is some some epic treasure at the top that will change your life forever um okay. so that's how i would run so it. blood mountain would um, just be alluded to as a dark and dangerous place much like uh, the forgotten realms under dark for example or the thessalonian ruins beneath um that city with that, that what name I've forgotten. Yes. Sand Sandpoint. But yeah, yeah, 
obviously if you're doing it on a one shot or a short campaign you mm. can just start at the foot of the mountain with characters that have already decided to climb it but yes i would be viewing this as a point of interest that uh you know so i'm i'm talking not pamphlet not big hardcover adventure i'm talking uh quite popular in the kind of indie scene the kind of six by nine hundred ish page stuff so is you say that you want to keep the crystal skull then am i am i right in saying that yeah yes the how would you introduce the MacGuffin? Then? Yes, the Chris. Uh, well, like I said, it would be something of well, if you start the the game at the foot of the mountain, that would just be part of the the um, set mm. the game's assumption. Basically, if you were starting at the mountain, you'd go, "Hey guys, do you want to play a game where you climb a super dangerous mountain and get superpowers at the end?" People would either go yes or they'd go no. Um, if you wanted to plonk it in a sandbox world, it would just have to be filtered in through uh, rumors. Uh, well, again, there's there's many ways you can do that. If you're plonking it into a sandbox world, you deal with it the same way that you deal with anything you plonk into a sandbox world. People close to it might have local folklore about it that you can drip out to the players if you want to do that. However, if you want to really goad them towards it, just have someone hi- someone who's like, um, you know, think uh, kind of uh, a bit Indiana Jonesy. I do I do realize that I've the fact I made that Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull theme has probably put Indiana Jones on my brain, and so all the the kind of cultural references I'm using are incredibly timely because it's you know Indiana Jones that only came out like five years ago, right? Um, Indiana Jones would. He gets, because uh, again, Indiana Jones is a bit of a blank blank slate protagonist. I know he's got the, the quirks and everything, but he generally, someone comes along and say, hey, there's this, su- this, super, this super important item. You should go get it before someone else does. And he goes off and gets it. So you could have that as well. You could have an NPC come along and hire them, implore them that it's important. Could it be given as quest loot from a previous... Um, so, for example, you've you've done a dungeon crawl. There was a shrine, and this one thing was sat atop the shrine. You know, amongst all the other jewels and gold that you may give them, um, would you you know have that? And then maybe they do um, they cast detect magic on it, or they take it to be evaluated, or it gives them all strange, uh, lucid and, and connected dreams. Sort of like Inception type thing, where they're all maybe in uh, the same dream together, uh, or you know, would, would would that be something that you could maybe do as well? So you mean a piece of treasure that tells them maybe to go over to time, yeah, maybe you can let that sit in their sack uh, or bag of holding or on the back of the mule, whatever the case is for the team, the group. But uh, again, slowly drip feed it, have it sort of. Um, uh, have it uh not so much corrupt but entice them you know have it whisper to them and and make them um encourage them you know i had not i had not thought of the crystal skull as something that calls out to people but that is a perfectly valid way to to drag people bring people in it's it's not what i thought so to answer your question did i think of that no but uh i think 
your question of did I think of that was was more of a I've got this good idea, but for some reason you didn't want to claim it as an idea. You wanted to phrase yeah, it as a question. Today is going to be listened back with with a fine tooth comb. Um, I could have swore I said, would you? I don't know. Anyway, irrelevant. <laughs> this Blood Mountain is, is turning, yeah, what, what... Is, is, is sundering the team. Um... Yeah, you said, you said, would you? And the answer is, honestly, until you'd mentioned it, no, I would not, because it wasn't something I thought of. So just you could have just said, I have a cool idea. Is uh, <laughs> uh, well, because um, I'm just you know it, it just sort of I don't want to give ideas out there that people have to do it this way. It's just if you think of a good idea and you like it, and if you run it by a, a colleague or a friend or what well, are you know a colleague, I suppose in this uh, setting, uh, who says that they like it, then go with that one. It could be that they they come across it. Maybe it was in the foundations of the house that they were living in, or it was under a pillow. Some previous occupant of, of the inn. It's like in the lost and found. You don't know. Yeah, or, yeah. although you could take the crystal skull as a, a magic item on its own, I, I, would, I would be, in the context of adventurizing Blood Mountain, it would I would I would only ever be looking to use it as the thing at the top of the mountain. I, I, I wouldn't want it to have left the mountain previously, but you are you could argue that that would be an adventure that that you could take all the mythology of the crystal skull and someone has already gone and taken it. My understanding um, was that wasn't the skull was, was in the hero's possession who naturally, I believe, starts the adventure at the bottom of the mountain. And his mission, his task, is to actually take the skull and himself, therefore, to the top of the mountain. That was my interpretation of it. I didn't, it, it wasn't in my mind that the skull is, because from the way I see it is, the skull has to be placed on a plinth of some sort to activate this next step of evolution. So am, am I wrong in thinking that the skull is on one plinth and no less than three foot next to it? Is the plinth it needs to be on? Is that how you've seen it then? I, I always saw it as that Crystal Skull was on the mountain. And uh, looking at um, in, in some of the descriptions and also as well the lyrics, like you were saying, I think it's pretty clear that it wasn't really... Uh, what's the word? It isn't very clear how he got hold of the the skull because you are right he needs to put it at the top he needs to put it at the top of the mountain but i always saw it as uh something that was on the mountain it's so, as so he well. finds it, it halfway up. to be yeah i i i I'd, I'd always seen the crystal skull as something that was was on the mountain but it need you you didn't just get it and then get the superpowers you had to get it and take it to this uh to the top of the mountain um, I do realise that's a bit confused because I just say that I thought it would be at the top of the mountain, but that is kind of how I envision it, that the crystal skull is... Um, but yeah, you could split it in two because you, you could have the quest for the skull and then the quest to put it up. But I was thinking that it would all be self-contained in the mountain. It's, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit of... Because obviously when we do this, we can't do it because we're changing it from one form of media to another. Um, as part of the adventurizing process, I would shrink it 
down so that basically everything happens mm -hmm. on the mountain. I wouldn't have the request for the skull. But I also quite like the idea that you would use okay. that. It's just well, that's I not how I think we can I both agree on the fact that the crystal skull is there and it is a driving force. Um, and it all depends on the game that you're playing. If it is a sandbox game and you're already two years deep, for example, in be it real world time or game time, um, the last thing you want to do is go, I've heard this cool podcast. Um, I'm now going to suddenly take everyone, supplant them off and do something else. And we're going to change the game entirely. So you can include it because I like that idea from yourself. I, I, I envisioned it much the same as how we have with other the other episodes is that we are just making a, almost a standalone campaign or one shot. But this is almost akin to, dare I say it, Vornheim, where you pick up the book and Vornheim could be anything to anyone at any given time within that setting or within your campaign. You don't have to spe specify, right, we're on page one, today is where we're going to actually start this campaign. So I, I like that idea. So you, you can, yeah. but yeah, my point yeah. there is being in a roundabout way, the crystal skull to us, at least for me anyway, uh, I think you'd agree is, is the catalyst. Uh, be it found, be it rumor, whatever it is, the, the, the crystal skull is the call to adventure, is what's caused someone to now want to climb Blood Mountain and put themselves in harm's way, basically. There are two kind of bits that I, uh, sorry, three oh. bits really but one I, one I don't have a lot, lot of elaboration on. There are three bits that uh, I would kind of directly lift, I think, um, which are the Sisquatch, the Birchmen, and the Hunters of the Sky creatures. I'll start with the Hunters of the Sky creatures. I just like the idea of, because they're described in the song, Hunters of the Sky, um, and they're just flying reptile things. Um, that basically hound the uh, um, protagonist. But there's the line, uh, evading sharks of the mm -hmm. sky. Um, and I know it's not particularly original, um, but I would have them as kind of flying bullets or, sh or you know, basically it, it, it mentions sky sharks, Rods, and I want there to be sky sharks. So... I, I, I'm going to take take them at their word when they called them sharks of the sky, and I would have instead of you know the kind of uh, air based predator of the mountain would be these flying shark creatures with kind of bladed wings. Um, yeah, I, I took I would actually take it quite literal. I was going to say leathery wings, but that's almost specifically what they say. It's it's leather wings, bones hollow. So. Um, but to, to clarify, when you say bullets, you mean the land sharks in in uh, in, in air quotes there from the D and D game, as in yes, the sort of yes, I do. Almost they're almost armadillo like, really, or pan pangolin, those those cheeky little chappies, but naturally fierce and 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 uh, uh, antagonistic. Um, I did a little bit of research on this just to see what specifically there is out there. And apparently, be it a meme or something, but Sharks of the Sky is an urban dictionary thing. So let, let's take it with a pinch of salt. 
but it was once mentioned on a stream that um, hummingbirds are the sharks of the sky because sharks need to continue motion in order to, to breathe. Not necessarily, we can argue all day about the actual facts of the matter, but that's the myth anyway. Whereas they say the same about hummingbirds, that their wings are always beating in order to keep aloft. So um, I'd just like to see, I think you'd be interesting, depending on how you're going to go, if you're going to have a bit of a laugh and a, and a joke about it. On one hand, if you're going to be serious, yes, have flying sharks or, or, or some sort of air-based bullets. Um, on the other hand, you could have enormous hummingbirds causing grief or some sort of maybe undead where they've, you know, for example, as if they've got mange or, you know, the, the feathers are falling off and it's, it's it's you know almost a husk of itself and 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 quite you can dramatize it as much as you want really you know you can you can ham it up but that's that's what i took away from it with my research is maybe a the hummingbird side of things but because you know bullets are one of my favorite creatures of all time i'm gonna i'm gonna kick the hummingbird to the corner and i'll take yours 100 percent time of the time also as well it is a bit strange I find well strange. I find it funny that you basically, because of the context, you said if you want to be serious, you can go for flying sharks. I don't think flying sharks are the serious option in a lot of situations. Um, but I, I I do get you on board that they are kind of more serious than giant hummingbirds. But I do like giant hummingbirds, and again, I didn't I didn't think of any of that. So that's only because and and like you, I've not sort of. I, I don't listen to it as music, so I've sat down and I've 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 delved a little deeper and and sort of scratched maybe a little bit more of the surface to specific lines and and and, and lyrics as opposed to the enjoyment. Because um, the the second thing I would lift directly, and I do realise I'm using lift directly in a little bit of a loose term. Uh, is the Sasquatch, which, uh, according to Troy Sanders, the bassist, is a psychic Sasquatch. Uh, um, One-eyed psychic Sasquatch. Yeah. Uh, and because I like, basically, that's a, an interesting little kind of mashup. They've got their Cyclops, Psychic, and Sasquatch. Um, and I like the idea of uh, that being kind of something they can find you know, someone who can make some sort of sense of the mountain for them. Uh, however, it is a unique challenge that I don't think I have the answer for, is how do you deal with psychics in a game where you cannot know the outcome? Because they can see the future, you mean? Yes. And, and so they're, they're, doing the, they're doing the Doctor Strange cross-legged checking four billion different outcomes to find the best one for them. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and basically, so you either have to be incredibly vague so that absolutely anything that happens, uh, he was right, because he said, you know, you, have, you either have to be like the guy who writes horoscopes for the newspaper, or it then turns into a railroad. Because if, so, if, if he goes like, you will die by fire, then you kind of have to avoid them dying by any other means, or... Or if you don't, he wasn't really psychic. So psychics in games are are a, a tough thing. And just because I've recently read it, uh, 
I do like the idea of the uh, stars without number psychics, where the more specific they are, the less likely it is to be true, even though they can see it. Basically, the things they can see most clearly are actually the least likely to happen, because the 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 theory in stars without number is that anything they can see clearly means that someone can clearly see the way to stop it. So it's only vague things where people can't work them out properly that actually come true. Yeah, and and hearkening back to Doctor Strange, there's nothing with them, there's nothing wrong with them seeing only one of the futures. Because what's to say if you tripped on a stone that it wasn't because you started with your left foot as opposed to your right foot forward? So what's to say that you didn't trip on that? So because you did what the one thing that he didn't see happening, you know, that it's it's yeah. not the thing that he followed to its its natural. So yeah, I, I would say that that's not really a problem. There's there was a lot in um, Circle of the Sai Squatch. I'm thankful that you you pointed that out to me because I always had a cis Squatch, so um, which is a different thing altogether. Yeah, again, reading into the lyrics specifically. Um, to me, lots of things were coming to it. Lots and lots of things. Um, I was getting a very strong Ray Harryhausen, Jason and the Argonauts, uh, because the chorus is Caesar of the Fleece, and that's that was the, the he was Jason was trying to seek a golden fleece. Yeah, and there was a Cyclops. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know that there was a great big uh, uh, iron. Gollum situation. Uh, I can't remember what it's called exactly now. It was a Talos or something, wasn't it? I don't know. It's been a while. But uh, yeah, but I get what you're on about, yeah. No, that's right. There was one. No, I'm thinking of Odysseus. Never mind. Right. Point is, on track. Um, yeah, so I was getting strong Jason and the Argonauts vibes. Um, speaking of Odysseus, this is what came to mind then, is that Odysseus, with there being a Cyclops, he blinded the Cyclops, and then they just snuck past at night. Because the Cyclops is, is, you know, if he can't see, what's to say that he can't predict the future in the first place? So why not uh, introduce him as, as blind? Is he an antagonist or protagonist? I mean, he, he seemed like a... a, a, um, a what's the difference? Antagonist is the good guy's pro... No antagonist yeah so he seemed like an antagonist but what's to say that he has to be is also mentioned in the song of rakasha am i saying that right rakshasa yeah the tiger tiger people yeah well that is to to a D crowd yes but in the hindu buddhist and jain jainism jainism oh yeah they yeah, are yeah, they're, they're demons aren't they i believe they're man eaters specifically so yes, is he? Is that what they're saying? Is that this the 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 Sasquatch is the is the Rakshasa? I've I've always viewed him as neutral, as some sort of guide. That that was my my uh, interpretation. In I've always thought, um, and I, I I don't know. I I I I would keep him as as vaguely antagonistic vaguely helpful make you know make it so that it's not entirely clear i, I i'd like to keep that line vague mm. 
And then it goes on then to say that there's eyes all around, as if to suggest that there's maybe more than one. And then you enter the labyrinth, which, again, is the whole Grecian. There's a minotaur at the middle. Who was that? Wasn't Achilles? Who was that? So, uh, yeah, there's always there's that angle as well. I mean, is the labyrinth it's referring to Blood Mountain itself? So there's a lot... That, that is how I interpreted it, that the labyrinth was... Uh, the mountain, or maybe not even so much the mountain, but the the struggle of cl- climbing on it. I I always thought the labyrinth was meant to be highly metaphorical. I think you could take it a little bit literally in the sense of um, what's to say, given that you know we're not actually doing the song or the, the the album itself word for word. What's to say that where you deposit or where you have to take the crystal skull to? is not at the centre of a labyrinth. Why, why not have the final uh, act of your, of your adventure be a labyrinth? Why not make it challenging at the very last? Now you've got me thinking is that at the top of the mountain is just a hole and there's actually a labyrinth and you have to get to the middle of the labyrinth, put it on the plinth and basically the light from the... basically like a single focused point of light from the... Back to Indiana Jones again, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, From the top of the mountain. So getting to the top of the mountain is actually a red herring. You have to get into the labyrinth in the mountain. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's also then, following on from that, the Birchmen. Um, So you think that the Sasquatch is just just a guy or gal who happens to live on the mountain and is more of a random encounter. Although it's planned, it's more in the sense of a random encounter in that he is not specifically an obstacle in the way. He's just something that can be used to break up the the drudgery of climbing a mountain. Because also, as well, you mentioned the Birchman. Um, One of the reasons I always viewed him as uh, less antagonistic is that the lyrics do mention beware the birchman and i assumed that was rather than the sasquatch having to beware them i assumed that was a warning given by the sasquatch to the protagonist listening to the album what follows circle of the sasquatch is effectively an instrumental song track 6 is called blade catcher um is this a point where you would do just spending time climbing higher and higher and higher, um, doing general sort of, maybe there's a null encampment that'll harass you along the way, couple of sessions of climbing, couple of sessions of having to camp down. Again, maybe bandits try and stop you. Maybe there's a cult following you up trying to stop you from, um, or not so much a cult, but maybe there's a specific religious sect who do not want or need the evolution of humanity to progress, um, which actually off the top of my head now raises the next question. Is it only specifically you that benefits from the Crystal Skulls next step? That was um, a key kind of thing I wanted to raise is with the Crystal Skull, how world-breaking should it be? As in, what is the next step of evolution? And like you say, can it be... uh, is it for a single player? Can only one character get it? So that you then end up with a kind of story where at the end, uh, 
it turns tragic because everyone has to turn on each other um or do everyone have it and then when they do have it you've got this kind of line is it um and now spoilers for the um adventure death frost doom death frost doom which is a famous lamentations of the flame princess adventure famous for being for us to a certain extent is famous for being horrible and unfair um they argue that's not that's that it's unfair to be to call them unfair but if you're if you're interested you can read it yourself and make your own mind up but the thing that happens at the end of that is you unleash a unstoppable army of the undead into the world so if you play if you have death frost doom in your campaign world and the players go in they essentially doom the world if they if they break the if they break in this evil army comes out and basically that fundamentally changes the world because there's now a a massive unstoppable horde of or you know nigh unstoppable uh horde of 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 zombies in the world that weren't there before you did before the players got involved um so does the crystal skull like can the players continue to play after they've had the crystal skull or do they become beings of such ascended knowledge that they couldn't ever be played by a person they just kind of become a strange um kind of unknowable and mysterious npc um or do you go the because what i'm saying is if you quest for this crystal skull and you get there and it goes ah you're on the next stage of evolution plus one to intelligence it's not that uh uh impressive where would you put it on that scale from completely world and game changing to minor boon where would you where would you see it fit um depends on how the game was going specifically if i was i was running it given that i liked your idea of having it as just a thing but also as part of as in it's a a, a point of interest um and including my idea of it being, say, maybe just a throwaway quest loot that they'd happen to have, or they've, they've come across this crystal skull, um, and it's whispered to them slowly. And it's obviously, it's it's their idea now, then, to, to that's how insidious it's been. I would make it that the crystal skull has told them that it's the next step of evolution, allowing, say, the the more good-natured and selfless characters to try and do it for the betterment of humanity or the more selfish side of characters to be able to do it to, to, to better themselves. Um, but ultimately, the twist at the end is that the skull did it only for itself. The skull had its own plan in the background that led other people. So if this was just as a one-shot, uh, there's nothing to say that this can't be from level 1 to 12. And depending on how you twist it, if you twist it, you could end it right there if you wanted to. Mission accomplished, thank you very much. Or there could be the world-changing thing, and now the level's 12 to 20. Again, just using an analogy of Dungeons & Dragons, you could use whatever system is, is suits you best. But um, why not then continue to put right what you put wrong? Um, if you have it as a point of interest in a pre-existing campaign, have it changed the world, that's fine. And then that gives you even more plot points. Do they ignore that? And do they sort of just whistle and, and walk the opposite direction and know nothing of it? Do they wipe their hands of it? Um, 
does it turn out that it only does them and they have got plus one to their intelligence and some sort of level of notoriety? You know, it it depends on, on what sort of thing that you're running and how you want to reward that or not, as the case may be. I like the, the twist at the end where it's not the pleasant outcome that everyone was expecting to allow for the next step and to continue on. I, I, I prefer a campaign where it's you've, you've played it for many, many, many years, you know, that there is no end in sight, that, you, you know, even at level 20, there's still more things that you can do um, and, and so forth, you know. Um, what's to say then that you don't stop it there? That's brilliant. You've become too big for your boots, however. And in secret, you start a new campaign, same players, different characters, who then have to go off and bring down these people who are now suddenly too big for their boots was exactly what my kind of net last thought was going to be is that like like you say make it so that they they become so powerful that they become the antagonists of the next campaign so <laughs> we've had a little bit of a, a, a divergence from the point there uh, so yeah track six blade catcher that's sort of an interlude is it that's what it's called an in, in instrumental well it, it is it's Call it an interlude. Yeah. What's, what's intermission then? That's the word I'm looking for. It's you sort of you're breaking your story where the more mundane things can happen, where you have to set up a camp for the night and where players and characters generally can take stock of their situation and sort of yeah, see and how it, things are panning out. Yeah, and intermission is when you buy ice cream and beer at the theatre. It's the bit in the middle. I'd love an ice cream right now. Are you offering? I can post, tell you what, I'll post you one. Perfect. Okay. Um, following Blade Catcher is then Colony of Birchman, which I believe is a spin on the great Genesis or Phil Collins. Genesis, isn't it? Phil Collins. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Phil Collins was in Genesis, but it is Genesis they're, they're riffing on. And it's Colony of, uh, Colony of Leather Shoes or something. I can't remember now. Uh, Colony of the Slipper Men. That's what I said, yeah. Um, but this one features Josh Hom. does, yes. Um, so, yeah, these are the people you said were you felt quite strongly and they was sort of, let's say, more of 100% in your mind as to them being the antagonists with the warning of beware them. Yes, I would make it that they are the kind of native inhabitants of Blood Mountain. And so they have settlements and uh, settlements and and uh, outposts all across the mountain. Um, and I would have them because they're birchmen. Presumably, they're you know they're made of wood. Uh, they are like living trees. I would make them very antagonistic to humans and other humanoid races who presumably use trees to chop down and build or burn um so yeah i would have them as a kind of a constant they would be they would be the main inhabitants of the mountain yeah, they would they would not be friendly to human to humanoid races because obviously depending on what system you use uh you might not necessarily be actually human but in most cases you'll be humanoid you'll be something that uses wood to build or, or burn. And they've heard that on the, no pun intended, grapevine. And that's what's basically have them sort of harumph, get off my lawn, but then suddenly they spy in the corner of their eye that it's actually humanoids 
these people who are taking their kin, their, their more um, sedentary kin from at the base of the mountain and around, i.e. just normal trees. That's what then leads them. So basically, it's not just because they're a creature to put in the character's way, it's because they have an active motivation to to hunt and, and uh, harangue, I suppose. So it doesn't have to be just once or twice or this one instance. They can crop up throughout as the different encampments and so forth, uh, uh, patrols are being uh, encountered. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they would also then obviously be uh, another way to bring... You said, like, how would you hook people to the mountain? Well, you go to this village and you go, look at that mountain over there that's covered in lush woodland. Why don't you chop the trees down there? And someone says, oh, you don't chop the trees down that... You don't you don't chop, chop the trees on that mountain because cause they chop you. You know, in Soviet Russia, tree chop you. Um, so that would be another thing of, oh, let's go and look at the, you know, it's another intriguing mystery that someone might want to look at. And you, and you could, especially if you're just plonking it down as a, a location in your existing sandbox, it's another way to uh, get, get it mentioned. The fact that no one chops the trees down because allegedly the trees attack you. And I would have it so that, no one has gone up no one has tried it in generations so that no one can no one can give you the exact information that you'd need to take them on they just tell you it's dangerous mm. yeah i i see where you're coming from there yeah um i would take it a step further though like i said with my idea but they're already aware although you could say don't chop the trees from on the mountain the mountain trees are already aware that other trees are not having a good time of it either so they've always had this burning hatred or slowly but surely festering inside them that anything not mounting dw dwelling um, is uh, is uh, a threat and needs to be punished. Would you then have them, um, should they ever encounter an encampment, what would they, what would they be built? Would it be, <laughs> would it be human skin hats and yurts that they live in? Or do they just survive the because uh, they're trees effectively is how i picture them as ants so do they just root themselves and stay there and survive the the, the elements that's how i envision them yeah uh however i if you if you wanted to go a bit more grim dark with it yeah you could do it that they live in kind of tents made of human skin well from, it, the, it... from the foolish people who go up the mountain and no one ever comes down it just made me, it was a spin on. If we're making houses out of their skin, then the reverse would be the truth. I mean, I was going to say stones, but that's boring. Maybe there's a stone because there is a sleeping giant in, sec in, in ep episode two, uh, song two. So why not make it a stone giant? So would they make it out of, would they make the houses out of stone? And then I just thought, well, flip it. They, they as, a, as a defiant sort of revenge act, they have now taken to using us as their. Uh, building construction material you you then could also have um uh you could create a political dispute between them uh because you could have the birchmen who just want humans to stay off the mountain and then the ones that want to kill them to wear their skin and humiliate them and are far more aggressive as in they're all they're all 
against humans, but you have the ones that just don't want to be chopped down and don't want their friends to be chopped down. And you have the ones that are like full of anger and a, a sense of need to have revenge on people. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but they, they would be the main, like in a lot of cases, a goblin is the main um, population of a dungeon. Mm -hmm. I would have the, I would have the Birchman be the main population. Of so, for argument's sake, if you are, um, if you if you draw uh, the the Blood Mountain on on a two D piece of paper, so effectively like a bell curve up and then down the other side, um, and then you broke it down into almost sort of tiers or, or, or sort of levels, you know, zero or water level, sea level to 1000 it would be inhabited by gnolls and then from x to y would be inhabited by the birchmen um would you i'm just asking this in a in a <laughs> it's a slow burn question where would you put the hunters in the sky would you put them um like with avatar the biggest one never needs look up so is he on top and they come down to hunt and do they go for do do the these these hunters in the sky have any need to attack things made of wood, or do they attack them because their houses are made of the thing that they like to eat? Obviously, because I hadn't thought of the skin thing, I hadn't thought of that. But yes, I was thinking that there would be it would be a thing of uh, there would be some other types of wildlife, but I was thinking, and occasionally they would just they would all live at the top of the mountain, and they would just occasionally kind of just fall and swoop basically like sea you know seagulls at the beach um so as and yes i wouldn't have thought that the birchman would need to worry about them the birchman probably also don't like them because i imagine that that they probably don't like uh because they probably do call i would imagine they probably cause just some incidental damage to to the trees and stuff so i imagine they wouldn't like them but i wouldn't see them as in direct competition. Um, I'm just trying to place it as to, for example, if I was to run the game, uh, where I would include them. Because although the Hunters in the Sky come uh, later on in the album, you know, maybe people would rather have them further down. But in my opinion, thankfully, it, it, it matches your own. I would include them further up as well, because the eagles tend to live higher up the mountain and hunt further down it. So, for something that you you claimed not to not to enjoy, we've had an awfully long discussion on this, um, and I'm quite mindful of the time because uh, uh, I'm sure everyone would want to listen to us for you know two three hours. But um, I think we do need to have a maybe shave a little bit off that time. Um, so I think we're in the the kind of the anything else section of mechanize. So we've discussed a lot. Any kind of quick lightning round things that you wanted to mention that we didn't get round to? I was going to say join us in part two, but okay. Um... Oh, we, we can always come back. We can always come back for a part two, but that does mean we have to, fin we have to finish this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick fire lightning round. Things to include. The crystal skull. Um, how you would include that uh, and how you would have it influence the party to action is entirely up to yourself. Um, the climb of the mountain is pretty straightforward. Pick any old mountain and, and make it as difficult as you want. Everest have, has its own challenges. A will get thinner. It's 
snow will in- inevitably fall. Um, have them encounter three things, pretty much in that order as they come in the song, really. The Sasquatch, the Birchmen, the Hunters in the Sky. Uh, well, as opposed to have them in that, their habitat be in that order, I should say, rather. Uh, obviously, things can move up and down the mountain as they please. But uh, yeah, have them, I would say, their, their habitat be in that order. Um, what do you do with the crystal skull when you get to it? Again, that's entirely going to be entirely up to yourself as well. We've discussed having it at the centre of a labyrinth. Is it just going to be uh, an old rock cane that you put on top? Um, also consider then what the consequences of, of that will be. Um, ultimately, we can we can show you the door. It's up to you to walk through it, dear listeners. Um, is there anything that you would like to add? Is there any points that I've missed? Uh, no, I think that pretty much. Well, it's covered. It's covered everything. I think uh, we can without kicking off another kind of forty-five minutes. Um, maybe, maybe we will revisit this. But uh, I think for I think I'm happy with what we've discussed today. Although we've been talking about different tracks, I would like to give a specific shout out to track number twelve, "Pendulous Skin." That. To those of you who would know me personally and know the characters I tend to place, one specifically, uh, Pendulous Skin has a has a, a near and dear place in my heart. Unfortunately, I know exactly what he's on about. Um, I have a halfling character with uh, how you say geriatric testicles, aka and on Pendulous Skin, and on that bombshell. Let's systemize. Systemize. So, were there any systems that came immediately to mind? Um, for, for your, there's a few. Few. I've got a few, but um, we've, we've. This is one. Whilst we've been discussing this, it, we have mainly focused on the what you call now fifth finder. It does lead itself quite well to it. I mean, ultimately, you could make. It allows you to a have it as part of whatever system you're already running, presumably with it being a fantasy setting in the song. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. I mean, Indiana Jones was was contemporary um, to a certain extent. So, um, yeah, I would have said maybe Fifth Finder. It all depends on what you're aiming for. I think that... Um, um, not Monster of the Week. Shadow of the Demon Lord. Dungeon World. Oh yeah would, yeah, would play quite well. Although you'd have to, you know, seriously sit down and think about the the Birch men and the various different antagonists as part of it. Um, but yeah, any sort of system could could work quite well with what you have there. I think. I, yeah, that, and that was my initial thought um, as well. That it's 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 very easy to do in D and D. That the system maybe isn't as important as it might be in other things that we've discussed. Um, the though I did think that you might want if you so you've got the very easy D and D way the the kind of you know it's so easy to slot in the my alternative would be something that prioritizes prioritizes the struggle to climb the mountain so something with um, a lot of survival rules and uh, resource management. Um, so maybe some of some of the OSR games that are more focused that way, or and this is a kind of a wild card pick because I've never I've neither read it nor played it, but 
uh, torchbearer, which is based on burning wheel, is a meant is meant to be very much about the the survival and struggle in a dungeon. Is is how it's been described um, in places that um, I've looked at it. So if that is true, maybe doing a hack to make because I don't know how tied it is to dungeons as underground layers, but that might be something worth uh, looking at because um, Torchbearer is a fairly uh, well-respected system. Uh, it's based on Burning Wheel, I think, and Burning Wheel is... I, I On Reddit, someone called it the greatest game you'll never play, and it's sitting on my shelf. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I think that's a pretty uh, accurate description, and Torchbearer is apparently something much more likely that someone would actually be able to play um but that's kind of my i didn't have alan's indie pick of the week for this one so i kind of crowbarred that one in because i couldn't think of anything else yeah it it, it ultimately lends itself quite well because previously we were concerned about um the mortality rate and how actually you know dnd isn't suited to certain games because you need to feel the cold icy touch of breath uh, icy touch of death um, whereas with this one, it, it, it seems just like almost a D&D adventure, so you may as well, or Fifth Finder, I should say, not to preclude the, the Paizo uh, contingent, but uh, yeah, it, it seems just as well. I think it's actually one of the first ones that, if we were to play it, I would I would be dusting off the player handbook for it, to be honest with you. I think it's probably one of the first, maybe even only ones, that would be dedicated D&D fodder there. So I think I think we kind of are on the same page there. Uh, blasting through the end after quite a, a, a lengthy episode. Don't worry, people. Final furlong. Well done. Yeah, you're nearly done. Bringing it home. <laughs> Summarize. So uh, our final question is always, is this something we'd actually like to play or run? And this is an odd one because I, I was kind of on the fence um after my own despite the fact that it was something i had quite a lot of ideas and thoughts about uh i wasn't sure whether i'd want to 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 run or play it but after the discussion today i am on the play probably still on the towards the maybe not but running it after our discussion i'm on it doesn't go in the must play now but I think it's a a maybe one day for me now. I would I would GM it maybe one. Day. I, I've I've gone the same way. When I was before, I'd actually had this discussion with yourself and maybe voiced some of my thoughts and actually tried to put them in, in into coherent sort of paragraphs as opposed to notes and and sort of you know mishmash of firing neurons in my brain. Um, I was dead set against it. I was like, nope, don't want to GM it, don't want to play it, don't even talk to me about it. If you manage to get me to play it through subterfuge, fair enough. But if I find out that you're doing it, then I'm going to pick up my ball and go home. But now I've actually discussed it. I actually like the ideas and, and sort of things. It's it's almost, I know it sounds terrible, but it's, it's as if I'm, I'm enjoying the smell of my own farts. I know I, what it sounds like. But it's like the more it's come to fruition, the more I thought... Actually, that's that's not so bad. I'll I'll maybe give it a go. But you are right. I'm not in any rush to go and, and, and play this. We've had better ideas. There are better games out there. 
and there's always new material being cranked out um that this would be this would be back shelf uh or back burner rather um but the, again there's nothing saying that it can't be part of or point of interest as part of your campaign but yeah a back burner to play probably will unlikely ever gm it yeah though also as well one thing i will say is that because you've got little bits although our Although that it's gone on the maybe one day, you might see a Sasquatch or Birchman or something show up in something. I might, uh, it's something I might come back to to kind of cannibalize and take the bits I like, like and I say, shove them somewhere else. Expect me to pick up my ball and go home in a harumph then in that case. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I've, I've, it's only recently, uh, game aside and everything now, uh, only recently talking to the, the the people out there listening that um i've only really had some proper sort of um listener feedback we've actually had some sort of actual i'm having a little moment now i'm i'm, I'm sitting down and i'm, I'm talking one-on-one with the viewer here um but yeah it's nice to know that we've, we've had some feedback and people are actually listening to it and getting something from it so um thank you for for listening so far we've got plenty more uh lined up um season one is 10 episodes long we're pretty much halfway through it now um i hope you're enjoying it really do i mean we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't think that you were enjoying it you know we're not doing it for ourselves we're doing it to try and put something out there and create something for 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 you guys to take away so um yeah please talk to us give us feedback let us know if there's anything that you would like to try and challenge us with or there's always an idea where you thought I've got my own thoughts on this, for argument's sake, die hard. You know, put it in our path. Hear a different set of, um, uh, you know, a different set of eyes and opinions on it. Um, I, I hope Alan shares my, uh, my my love of the fans there, uh, if we can call them that, at least our listeners, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree, but I, you've just triggered a, a weird memory. Um, if you remember... Um, we were going to do a special Christmas one-shot one year in the Zweihander system. Right, yeah. That was going to be based on Die Hard. <laughs> That's right. I remember you mentioned that now. That's right. <laughs> that never came to fruition because um, because of COVID, wasn't it? It was, it was 2019's Christmas, wasn't it? That was... Because it wouldn't have been this year. It wouldn't have been 2020. No, it wasn't. It was, yeah. I don't, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe that was the 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 origin of of Adventurize. Maybe, but maybe yeah, make we, it a, a, a diehard fantasy thing. We've chewed enough of your gear off anyway. But uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening so far, guys. I, now I know that there's someone out there listening. I I feel like I can address you now more directly. Um, yeah, thanks very much listening and uh, cue awesome guitar solo so that was our episode on blood mountain got some good ideas out of it so next time you need something that inspires you you won't just theorize but adventurize and if you do please let us know um all the social links to socials found in the show notes and we'll catch you next time